Good morning, and welcome to Broadway Baptist Church. It's so great to see everyone this morning. Uh, it is always a joy as believers to gather as a church. And so uh, this morning, uh, as we begin every service, we will stand for the reading of God's Word. And this passage uh, is, is even about that, <laughs> that very thing. Uh, this is Nehemiah uh, chapter 8. Uh, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 8. I'm going to skip a couple verses, uh, but Nehemiah chapter 8. And all the people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, both men and women and all, and all who could understand what they heard on the first day of the seventh month. Verse 4, I'm sorry, verse 5. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people, and as he opened it, all the people stood. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands, and they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Also, Jeshua, Benai, Sherebiah, Jamin, Akub, Shabbatai, Hodiah, Meshai, Kalita, Azariah, Josabad, Hanan, Peliel, the Levites, helped the people to understand the law. While the people remained in their places, they read from the book, from the law of God, clearly, and they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. Would you join with me as we sing God of Grace, God of Glory? Would you join me as we go to our Savior in prayer? Holy Father, as we bow in this place to worship and to give praise and glory unto you, we're reminded, Lord, that this past year, the countless blessings that you have poured out upon us, truly in so many ways, You've opened the windows of heaven and lavished us with your blessings. And we come at the end of this year to praise you and to thank you. We also come looking forward to the new year and what you have in store for us in the year to come. We pray, our Father, that we might be faithful and true unto you. We thank you for the privilege of worshiping you this morning. We ask, Lord, that you would bless our pastor as he shares the word with us. We realize this morning, Lord, that this past week we've lost two of our church family. And I pray, Father, for those families in a special way. 
that you would comfort and encourage them. And thank you, our Father, for a church family that cares and tries to provide and meet needs of those that are a part of us. Guide us today and may the Holy Spirit have freedom to work and may those that do not know you as Savior and Lord come to know you today. In Jesus' precious name, amen.
Gracious Lord, we come here now and just ask you to guide, lead, and direct us. Father, we just open up our hearts and our lives to you and just ask for you to just to bless us with, with your love and just, just with you, Lord. Lord, we want to lift up those that are on our prayer request and pray, Father, that your will be done in each and every one of these. Lord, I ask you to take this tithe and just use it uh, as, as you see fit, Lord. Lord, we just want to thank you for your son whom you sent to die on the cross for our sins. For we ask this in his precious and holy name. Amen. Amen.
there's a theme here that whenever I put myself out and I say, okay, God, I don't know how this is going to turn out, but every single time I take a step on mission, you seem to show up in a really compelling way. Resonate Church began 10 years ago as a campus ministry that turned into a collegiate church at Washington State University. Our desire is to plant uh, churches on college campuses across the Northwest and across Canada as well. So every summer we have uh, two dozen to 40 students that are headed over to East Asia and they are on campus, they're learning the language, they're integrating with, into the lives of East Asian students, and they're there being missional, sharing the gospel. Our staff members that are in East Asia long-term continue the discipleship with these East Asian students and they ultimately deploy them back to the campus to be leaders. It's a beautiful situation. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. To understand God and to understand Jesus best is to see them as missionary actors in this entire narrative. So that begins to permeate through our church. It's our belief that what we do in East Asia allows us to be able to do what we do in Boise and in these college towns and in these church plants. If they go across the world, um, it's more likely they'll go across the street. What we want to be is a church that goes after those people who have no background in Christianity. When those people begin to read their Bible and they see Jesus as the sent one to us and then telling us to be sent ones to the rest of the world, they actually begin to believe that. And they're so easy to deploy on mission. And so this is what I love about the Northwest and about the spiritual climate here is that it's so easy to be able to say, okay, this is what it looks like to be radically sent. We've got to be a sent people. And if that sent people can kind of begin to be the normative of our church, then what you begin to have is the beginnings of a movement. Christmas offering. That's from the North American Mission Board. We are collecting our Lottie Moon Christmas offering. We are at $12,529.22. I think probably our children gave those 22 cents, so we did those type of uh, change there. But every penny given, when you give to Lottie Moon, goes towards, that's an a area there in Washington State. I think he said Pullman, Washington, where the University of, or Washington State University is to reach college students. You know, we're on the college campus here. Right here in Lexington, we are a college town seeing churches reach college students. It's exciting. Not only that, if they reach them, they were sending them on mission trips to East Asia, which is China. <clears throat> That's where they're going. How exciting to see that. When we give, when we give to Lottie Moon, when you give to our church, you are supporting that. The last day of giving for the year is tomorrow. So you can stop by the church office if you want to give to Lottie Moon or give your offering for the year. Uh, church office is open tomorrow. You can certainly do that, or you can uh, give online or get postmarks. So I want to encourage us to finish strong as a church, as a not just as a, a giving to our church, as a missions giving church as well. If you have your Bible and you always want to bring your Bible to church, turn to Psalm 146. Psalm 146. Then we're going to look at four verses here. We're going to flip over and we're going to look at the book of James, James chapter four. Psalm 146, then James chapter 4. The new year, you know, the, always the Sunday after Christmas and always that Sunday before New Year's, always that transition time because you're, you're done with Jesus was born in a manger. He's now growing up, and we're, we're not quite at the new year. So, but we're excited about the new year because 2019 is coming, and Tuesday is the new year. This is the time that folks make New Year's resolutions. This is the time where folks make lots of commitments and promises of what they're going to do. The future is bright because the New Year starts on Tuesday and there's all sorts of uh, promises and new things you're going to do in 2019. 
you know, you think about, you look back, and for Lexington, for our city, 2018 can be summarized by one word, rain. Did you know it rained more in 2018 in Lexington, and I think in Louisville and pretty much the whole, uh, whole area around here, than in the history of our city? Now, I'm maybe 2,000 years ago at my rate, but we don't know what happened back then. <clears throat> the Native Americans were here, but anyway, it rained a lot since we've been keeping up. And it, I think we broke the record in November, so it was like over a month ago. So it has just, it has been a rainy year. So you could look back at the end of your, look back at this year, and you could think, uh, God, what are some great things you did? What are some blessings that occurred? What are some accomplishments? Yet, for many folks, it was probably some disappointments, some uh, deaths, some sadness that occurred. As Brother Hurt shared, two folks in our church passed away this past week, so they will remember this last, this Christmas as a time for sadness where they've lost loved ones. Uh, but also, you, it's a time you look back and you think about 12 months ago, when you began 2018, does anyone even remember what their New Year's resolutions were? Do you remember the promises and commitments you made? Maybe you made a commitment and it didn't last. You know, I was reading about uh, habits. 21 days creates a habit. So, if you smoke, if you drink alcohol, if you decide you want to come to start going to church, if you can do it for 21 days, that's three weeks, if you can come to church for three weeks in a row, come to Sunday school three weeks in a row, come on Wednesday nights three weeks in a row, you develop a habit of doing that. One and done isn't a habit. Coming one time, stopping for a day or two doesn't make it. You have to do something every day for three weeks, 21 days in a row. And uh, that, that is how you start a new habit, is that daily consistency. Your routine is defined by your daily daily habits that you participate in. So for many of us here, uh, you can just think about you know, the, some of the foods you eat, some of the changes you want to make. So you look toward Tuesday and say, I'm going to start something new. You know, I think about recently Esther, our, our little daughter, she sucks her thumb at night, which according to the dentist is messing up her teeth, which that really means she's going to need braces. And we all know what that means. That means money. So <clears throat> we had to break her of the habit of sucking her thumb at night. So the dentist told us, what well, about a month ago, Sherry, that we need to put socks on her feet, on her hands, on her feet. Socks on her hands at night. <laughs> she doesn't suck her toes at night. I don't know if that's possible. But he puts socks on her hands while she sleeps. And that was, I think, at the end of November, beginning of December. Well, she's now broken that habit. For 21 days, you just get used, because the dentist says if you start sucking or in the middle of the night, you'll, you won't suck your sock. Hopefully not. But So she broke that habit, so now she doesn't suck her thumb. So that's a goal, I guess, we accomplished uh, this past month for developing that type of habit. Well, we are going to see here in our Bibles. The Bible's going to teach us. All of us here have plans. But if your plans and your habits and your daily routine, church, if they don't involve the Lord, it's fruitless. Some of us, some of you have gotten away in broken habits that you should be in. Maybe at some point you were at this church or maybe another church and you were there every time the doors were open. You had a daily devotional life that you were in God's Word and for whatever reason you've gotten out of that habit. Spiritual giants, spiritual maturity is developed during your daily routine. That's all it takes. If you want to grow, it's just waking up early in the morning or going to bed at night and opening up your Bible and going down your prayer list and waking up even on rainy days and saying, I'm going to church. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be there for God. You don't do it for other folks. You don't do it for me. You don't do it for family. You do it for the Lord. He is who you work for. He's who, you, who owns you. And you're doing it to be committed to Him. If you're here this morning and you're ready to make a commitment, this message is all about commitment. It's you to walk away and say, this is going to be my commitment in 2019. There's, now, there's a danger. There's a big danger with a commitment. Uh, you can um, pull out your uh, uh, little uh, 
bulletin here and look here, uh, there's a subtle danger in believing. If only this happens in 2019, my life will be better. That's dangerous thinking. If only you lose weight. If only you got this job. If only this change were occur. If I met this type of person, it would be better. And the danger in that is only God can fill that void in that hole. The real commitments we make should be commitments to Him. So we're going to see this here. Psalm 146. We're going to read the first four verses in our Bibles. Hallelujah, my soul praised the Lord. I will praise the Lord all my life. <clears throat> Psalmist didn't say I'm going to praise the Lord 63 years of my life. Or I'm going to praise until I retire and start traveling. Or I'm going to praise until I get into college and don't have to go to church anymore because my parents don't make me. Or I'm just going to praise the Lord until I get saved and quit. The psalmist here, David's saying, all of my life. God expects you to worship Him to the time you were born, if that's possible, until you get old enough to start going to church and understand what's going on, till you die, all the way up to your deathbed. God expects and demands your praise. What that means is, you're giving your life to God. And he's asking for that commitment. I will sing to my God as long as I live. You never stop. This is with the danger of someone who feels like they don't need to go to church. Or the danger of feeling, I don't need to fellowship with other believers. What you're basically saying is, God, I don't need you. Because I can do it by myself. And the Lord is saying, you're to come and sing to the Lord. Do not trust in nobles and a son of man who cannot save. When his breath leaves him, look at this, he returns to the ground. On that day, his plans die. The Bible just told us here, all of us here can make some plans. You can write them down. You can share them with other folks. You can set some life goals. And then all of a sudden, when you die, those plans also die. I'll never forget, uh, Sherry and I, when we were dating, I was in a seminary, and she, um, she was working at Progressive Insurance, and we met at church, and uh, I was very goal-oriented, even more so back then, but we went to this restaurant called J. Alexander's. Oh, we have, a, uh, they built a new one here in Summit, but they had one there in Birmingham, and went there at the River Chase Galleria, took her there one night, <coughs> still paying for that, it was an expensive dinner, <laughs> still is an expensive place. <laughs> And I remember sitting at this place, I'm across from her, and we've been dating for like three months, and I'm telling her my life goals. And she's like, she's just known me a few months, and I'm just going over her plans, laying them all out for her, saying, this is what I envision, this is what I want to do, this is where I want to live, this is what I see where I'm going. And you know, and she's just listening politely. And she didn't have those type of goals. What I meant by that is, I had this... <clears throat> grand plan of what I wanted. And I think her plan was she just wanted to get married, have family, and be happy and go to church and love the Lord. And I think for some of us, men especially, we go in, you, you, you're, you grow up and you think, you say, this is how much money, this is where you have a house, this is where you want to live. You have this huge plan for your business, your life. It's all laid out perfect. How many children? Down to the details. And then there's other folks saying, I just, I want to live my life for the Lord. I want a family. I want to make the right decisions. I just want to give my life to God. So wherever you are on that spectrum, and some of us here are very detailed and some are very general, wherever you're at, both of those plans need to involve Jesus. He can be involved in the details, or he can be involved in, I just want a life with God. I just want to grow up and live for him. And let the, let the details fall wherever they fall. And that's what we see right here. To flip over your Bibles. We have one more Bible section I want you to read. Flip over your Bibles to James chapter 4. Because the book of James warns us about this. While you turn there, I want to read... Um, you're turning to James chapter 4, verse 13. I want to read to you what happened. You know, it said there back in that verse we just read that 
when man dies, his plans die with him. And that's true. Your, your plans die with you. Because your plans might not be God's plans. You know, God has the plan. Our job is to line up with His plan. God doesn't line up with our plan. And there's a, there's a subtle difference between those two. And we have to make sure it says, God, am I lined up with what you want, with what you're planning on doing? And um, when Adam and Eve sinned, it said in Genesis 3.19, it says, You will eat bread by the sweat of your brow until you return to the ground since you were taken from it. For you are dust and you will return to the dust. And that's our life right there. God reminded Adam and Eve, you know what? Yes, <clears throat> you're a man and you're alive right now, but Adam, I made you. Eve, I made you. And you will return back to the dust. You will return to the ground from where you came from. And that's absolutely true. We have to be able to guard our lives and say, God, am I doing what you want? Look here, James chapter 4. Look what the Bible says here. Every preacher in America is probably reading these passages. This would be like the, uh, this is like a New Year's Day scripture right here. James 4.13, Come now, all you who say, Today or tomorrow we will travel to such and such a city and spend a year there and do business and make a profit. Now that's one of those driven guys. He knows down to the detail what he's doing. He's going to go to this city. He's only going to spend one year there. He's going to make lots of money. Then he's going to leave. He's laying out his plan at Jay Alexander's and for his for the potential wife right here. He knows what he's going to do. And look what God tells the person who says that. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. We have no idea what's, what's in store for tomorrow. Do you know this could be the very last sermon you ever hear? This could be the last church service you'll ever be in. We do not know when Jesus is coming back. We do not know when an accident is going to happen, when an unexpected medical emergency could occur. And we have to be able to say, God, am I always ready to meet you? If I died today, if I never woke up from sleep tonight, am I ready to meet God? Young folks don't think about this. But this is what the Bible tells us. We are not promised tomorrow. God holds the future, not us. He knows what's going to happen, not you and I. And we have to be able to say, Lord, I live each day prepared and ready to meet you. The man who never gets saved is the procrastinator who's going to say, tomorrow. Do you remember? I think I preached on a year ago. A lot of times you can't remember what you did yesterday. But about a year ago, I was preaching through the book of Exodus. We're preaching on the, ten, uh, uh, the, on the ten plagues there. And one of the plagues was frogs. And the frogs came all over with Pharaoh. And they're all over Egypt. And Moses shows up and says, Pharaoh, would you like for me to pray and ask the Lord to take away the frogs so you won't have frogs all over the place? And I mean, they were coming, literally coming out the... Every corner of the palace had them. They were infested. Like the orchid man couldn't get rid of them. And Pharaoh looks at Moses and says, Yes, I want you to do that tomorrow. Tomorrow. What a waste. Why on earth would you, when I can get, I can pray to the Lord right now and get rid of your frogs and solve this issue we have of this today's plague, but you want to do it tomorrow. So the next day, Moses waited. We had to spend one more night with frogs jumping all over us. Then we got rid of them. How ridiculous. Why tomorrow? You know, tomorrow is the greatest day in the world. All good things happen tomorrow. That's when promises are made. That's when folks get saved. That's when uh, the money starts rolling. That's when your plans are going to happen. Tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. And the Bible is telling us here in James 4, 14... You do not know what tomorrow will bring. We are not promised tomorrow. Christ is speaking to you today, and He's saying you need to get ready to meet the Lord now. You need to line up your life and your commitment to Christ now. 
You need to get right with the Lord. Get, make a commitment now. Look what he's saying here. Keep going here for verse 14. What is your life will it be? For you're like a vapor or mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you should say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. There it is. It says, God, if it's your will, I will do this. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So it is a sin to know the good, yet not do it. James is telling us here in our Bibles that it is arrogant for us to think that we know what's going to happen tomorrow and we know best and God's going to line up his plan with my plan. The man who says, I'm going to travel to this town, I'm going to this city, I'm going to spend a year there, I'm going to do business and make money and have this type of lifestyle has no idea what he's talking about. There is a danger in thinking that way. What we see here, three steps that completely change your life. If you want to be changed, if you want to start living for the Lord, God created you for Him. Christ becomes your identity. Do you identify with Christ? Is He who you are? Number two, those closest to you will determine your 2019. Meaning, if you look at your friends, you look at those who you associate with. You start looking at who your friends are and what type of people they are and what their interests and their passions are. That's what type of person you are. Do you want to mold and shape your children and grandchildren? You direct them towards the right friends. Your friends make you. Your friends break you. This is why... The Bible warns us about being unequally yoked. He's not talking about being married. He's talking about the people you spend the most time with, that's the type of person you become. Listen, if you want to be closer to Christ, if you want to have a devout relationship with Him, you need to look around and say, the people I associate with, are they that way? Do they know the Lord? Do they have quiet times? And if they do, it spills it. You want to know how... You want know how if someone's saved and someone really knows the Lord, it will spill over in their conversation. People who talk about Jesus all the time, who talk about their just knowing the Lord and what Christ is doing in their life, do you know why? It's because they spend time with Him. If you have, if you have folks and you have no idea about if they go to church, if they're saved, if they've ever read the Bible, and you, they never talk about the Lord or Jesus or Christ, it's likely because they aren't. They don't have a relationship with them. You know when someone has been with Jesus. In 2019, you look at those, who are you spending, where, where is your time going towards? For some of us, for some of you, your commitment this next year, you are wasting your life on the computer and social media. You're wasting your life watching sports and TV and Fox News and whatever is on Hallmark Channel, whatever it is you watch on TV. It just sucks your life away. And you look back and go, I've done nothing. I've wasted my December. I've squandered my time. I wasted another year. Look back. This is, this, you know, tomorrow is the last day of the year. Are you closer to Jesus now than you were on January 1st, 2018, a year ago. You rewind one year. Do you know the Lord? Have you seen Him? Have you led someone to Christ? Have you started serving and giving and made a commitment to the Lord this year? I'm going to be truthful. Some of you are embarrassed because you haven't. Some of you are less involved in church. You don't give more. You're contributing. You're serving little and little and little more. I want to give an example of what it means. I walked into worship service this morning. God created and established the church. He died for the gospel to be preached so folks can be saved. You, this church, when someone comes here, we need to be expecting visitors and guests. 
They come here. My job is to faithfully proclaim this message. Your job is we want to make folks feel welcome and greeted and we're working inviting. Like this morning, I'm not going to tell you which entrance I walked in. I walked in one of the entrances, and there was no greeter there passing out bulletins. Now, if someone would have came in, and they'd never been to a worship service, they would have sat down. They have no clue. If they don't receive a bullet, they don't receive one of these. They have no idea what's going on. Listen, this next year, if you don't see somebody at the door, you grab the bulletin, you start serving. Part, part of what it means to be a servant, Lord, if you see a need, you just stand up and say, I'll do it. If something needs to be cleaned, if someone needs to be served, if someone needs to be greeted, it falls to you. Quit waiting for folks to ask you what to do. God is saying, give, give your life to Him. When you pull into this church property, this church campus, you need to be expecting, God, what are you going to do? Who's going to walk down the aisle and give their life to Christ? Who have I invited this week that I'm going to be looking for and see if they came? That's what it means to live a life of expectation. It's not a life of, what am I gonna, what's Daniel going to give me today? What am I going to get out of this service? No, what am I going to give to this service? God, what am I giving to you? Church, this is what it means to give your life to God. Every opportunity, you're looking for a way to share the good news with the gospel. I listen to Adrian Rogers' sermons all the time. He was a preacher there at Bellevue Baptist Church. I'm a, I'm a podcaster. I, just, I, I listen to him, especially when we're in the car for hours and hours, just listen to sermons. We're there, and he shared a story one time that he was outside, and a homeless man came up. By the way, Room at the End is a ministry we do, and it starts this coming Thursday night here. We, we feed and house 12 homeless men. They sleep in our gym out here on this coming Thursday. We do it during the uh, cold winter months, for, I think for three months in a row, three or four months in a row. Adrian, I was hearing a story, listening to him. He was sharing a story this week. He's passed away, but he, the story you know, happened a few years ago. He said he was walking down the road, and a man came up to him and asked for some money. Happens every, everywhere he goes. Somebody's going to ask for some money. And um, he pulled out his wallet and gave him a dollar or two. And he was in a hurry. Everybody's in a hurry. So he had to go. So he quickly gave him the money and started walking away. He said the moment he walked away, God spoke to him. I mean, the moment it happened. And God said, Adrian, turn around and go talk to that man. And then, you know, God, Adrian's having a conversation with the Lord in his mind. He said, Lord, I'm busy. I'm running late. I've got very important things I've got to do. I'm I'm busy. And plus, I gave him a few dollars. And God says, you know that money won't do him any good. That's not a problem at all. And Adrian said, I know, you're right. And, and, and Adrian was saying, talking to the Lord himself, saying, you know, he's probably walked away. You know, that man's probably gone. And I don't even know where he went. And then God said, you can catch up with him. Go speak to him about the Lord, about me. He stopped, he turned around, went and spoke to that man. Walked up to him and says, sir... I know I just gave you a few bucks, but I want to know if you know Jesus. Because I'd like to tell you about him. Right there on that street, that man prayed and received Jesus in his heart. Do you know, that's the type of life everyone in this sanctuary needs to be living. A life that's sensitive to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. We can give folks money, and that's great. You can give homeless folks money, but that's not what folks need. Folks need the Lord. One of your promises, one of your commitments you need to be making, making in 2019, are you willing to share? If, so, if the Lord told you to tell someone else about His Son Jesus, would you do it? Do you know how to do it? You know, last Sunday I went through the Romans Road to Salvation. Do you know those Scripture verses? Do you have some Scripture you can share and lead someone to Christ? You know, folks don't always have to get saved in sanctuary. You get saved anywhere. You can save them on the side of the road. What it means to live, give your 2019 to God is missions is every day. We should be telling other folks, lost folks, about Jesus. You know, we just showed this video here about Pullman, Washington. About a church that's reaching college students in Washington State. Washington State University. That church could be this church, reaching college students 
in a college town right here in Lexington. There is no reason it couldn't be. All they're doing is sharing the gospel and sending kids on mission. And they're loving it. And the kids are reproducing. The college students are telling their friends about Jesus. Moving on here in your, in, uh, your thing. Your New Year's goals are, look at this, only yours. That's the danger of New Year's goals. God wants His will to become your will. God's will is for folks to get saved. God's will is for our church and the churches here in our city to be a lighthouse pointing to Him. God's will is for a revival to happen here in our community, in our church, and for the pews to be filled with folks, new folks, new faces, hearing the preaching of God's Word and the singing His name. We, he wants people completely given to Him. The problem here in this story we just read in James chapter 4 is this man, he wanted to make all this money, but he had no room for God. I'm telling you, that is today. That's the story we just read here in James chapter 4 is all around us. Folks are busy, they've got their plans, you've got your family plans, and God is saying, what about me? You have no idea what tomorrow holds. How do we value one year? You ask a student who failed a grade. How do we value one month? You ask a mother whose baby arrived prematurely. That month matters. How do you value one week? You ask an editor of any TV news. You know, news changes every week. If something's a week old in the news, that's old news. How do you value one hour? You ask someone who's terminally ill has been told they have no, no time left. An hour means a lot to that person. How do you value one minute? You ask that person who missed a plane. If you ever miss an airplane, once they close the door, you don't get on the airplane. You're just done. How do you value one second? You ask an Olympic medalist. One second wins in the Olympics. Time matters. God is involved in the details of our lives. Do not waste 2019. How sad would it be is that we could rewind to the end of 2019, we'll be talking about 2020, that last Sunday of the year, and you look back and you've just squandered your year. You look back and you're less involved. You haven't grown. You haven't developed any new habits. 21 days. What's going to be your habit? What's your 21 days? By January 21st, you, if you start today, tomorrow, you've got your habit. It's there. You have developed something for the Lord. Here are your dangers here. The last three things, we're done. 2019 dangers over here on the board. This is what could happen. And this is a dangerous time because a lot of folks are going to make commitments. But there's going to be a lot of commitments come the end of January, February. You've already forgotten about them. You will waste this year. It is possible for us to squander this year. You've lost the year foolishly. It's gone. Listen, you never get time back. The moments, those opportunities you have with your children and your grandchildren, they're gone. You might have to wait another six months to see them again. God wants every minute for you to take advantage of. Those, those difficult conversations you need to have, the conversation pointing people to Christ, don't miss it. Number two, you will forget God. It is possible that other priorities get in the way of the Lord. This is a real-life possibility that could happen. What, how the devil destroys our spiritual lives is he keeps us busy. Think about all the things you have to do this afternoon. Think about all the things. You've got New Year's coming up. Probably more family events. All these things that need to get away. And it's possible that you forget the Lord. And the danger is, you don't purposely do it. Other things force you to abandon Him. When that occurs, what's your, that means idols have come into your life. Other things, sports, children's activities, travel. And next thing you know, God has just, He's been placed over here. 
Number three we see here. This is dangerous. You'll do it tomorrow. Tomorrow is always the greatest day. A procrastinator. People who wait, who procrastinate, never see spiritual breakthrough. They never genuinely get to know God. Knowing God is in the daily grind. Knowing and experiencing revival in your life. If you want to know the Lord in 2019, you, those victories are made in the most boring periods. When no one's looking, when there's no glory, when there's no one else around, when it's rainy, wet, and cold, and there's no accountability but you and the Lord, that's how you get to know Him. God is asking you to be a grinder. He's saying, I want people who's going to wake up and say, Lord, this is the day that you have made. I'll rejoice and be glad into it. Lord, I'm yours. The people you bring into my life, the people you want me to share the gospel with, invite to church. When I come to church, I have a mentality ready to serve. Your plans are going to die with you. So we know, knowing that's what the Bible says, the commitment God is asking this morning is you make your plans God's plans. What's God's plans? God's plans is everything points to how great He is and how He is the Savior. We live a life of mission. God wants folks here in our community, our city, to know Him. Do you believe we could baptize 52 people this next year in our church. That's one person every Sunday, an average. That's roughly four to five people per month. Do you believe that can happen? Do you know that would be a record? Do you know our church, record baptism, I was looking at the numbers, I think it was 1982. You look back, you turn in numbers to the Southern Baptist Convention. The most baptisms Broadway Baptist has ever had was in 82. Do you know how many it was? 35. 35 folks got baptized in 82. You know, 52, that's one person a week. That's one person. If we commit as a church, I'm going to share the gospel. You know, the great thing about the Bible, God's word doesn't return void. And even if it's the most boring sermon in the world, the most boring Sunday school lesson, if you just read the Bible... It pierces the soul. It can change people's life. God's Word goes out and fights for itself. It convicts people's heart. That's the power, great thing about the Gospel. But the commitment is, the promise has to be, our priority has to be the Lord. If we're committed, saying, God, I'm going to see. I want to be a part of a church that sees folks saved and baptized. One a week. A gospel-sharing church can do that. Yeah, I shared, I think it was a few, uh, I was, we went to the, uh, last month went to Kentucky Baptist Convention. There's a church in Bowling Green, I already forgot the name, Living Word Baptist Church. They baptized over 500 people. Now I drove through Bowling Green. It's smaller than a city. There's more people in Lexington than Bowling Green. There's more lost people in Lexington. There's more opportunity for folks to get baptized in the city. Listen, if they can do it, they're preaching this, teaching the same old Bible, the same Jesus, the same believer's baptism, the same gospel saves. If a church down the road can baptize 500 people in one year, there's no reason Broadway Baptists can't do 52, one a week. No reason we can't be a baptizing gospel-centered church. Your commitment, I'm asking, don't waste this year. Don't let another year go by and saying, ah, uh, ho-hum, another year. Uh, no, God is saying, His promise to you, Broadway Baptist, you just join my will. Look at this. He said, this is the commitment. Last Bible verse I'm going to read. Instead, verse 15, James 4.15, instead you should say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. Do you, God is asking you to say, say, God, if you will, if your plan is for folks 
to give their life to you and live a Christ-centered, God-centered life, I want to be a part of it. I tell you, our selfishness and our personal plans and our priorities, church, they eat away from us living God-centered life. And we waste another year. This is how the devil sidelines people. We lose focus to what's most important. And that's Jesus. This morning, commitment time. 21 days creates a habit. You create a habit that involves God's will for your life. And that habit's going to look a lot different. Some of you, you need to start telling folks about Jesus. Some of you need to start coming to church every Sunday. Some of you need to start reading your Bible every day and start developing a prayer life. Start praying for lost people. Start praying for folks to get saved. Start praying for that family member who's far from God. You start doing that every day, it will occur. Some of you need to just get involved in Sunday school and start serving here at Broadway. When you see a need, don't complain about it. Just go do it. You don't need to tell anybody. Jesus Christ is asking you this morning, do not waste 2019. Lord, I pray for this folks this morning. Lord, free us from other priorities that squander away the entire year. Lord, let us live every minute for you. Lord, make me into an evangelistic, gospel-centered person. All the folks we meet, we can tell them about you and invite them to church. And then be looking for them when when we hope they come. Lord, I pray this, this year, the greatest year ever in Broadway's life. Lord, I pray this is a year there's no reason we couldn't, Lord. If it's your will for us to baptize somebody every week, 52 folks, we can do it. Lord, I just pray, this is your time right here. God, I pray that someone here needs to make a commitment, may make a promise. Lord, they need to get saved. This is the time we respond. Lord, I just pray this New Year's coming up, Lord, we just continue to just live for you. We make those 21-day commitments and develop the habits we need. God, set us free from distraction. Open our minds so we see you clearly. In Jesus' name, we all pray this morning. Amen. If you need to make a commitment, a commitment, you join this church this morning. <clears throat> you walk this aisle and say, Daniel, I want to be a part. I want to be a member of Broadway Baptist. Now is your time. Great way. Become a new church member with a new year. You get baptized. You'd be one of our. You'd be the first one of number fifty-two to get baptized. You get saved. This is your time to respond to the gospel. Let's stand together. Steve's going to lead us in a song. We're going to sing a hymn of invitation. I'll be waiting down front for you to respond. make a couple of announcements here, uh, share some things going on. 
This is the last Sunday of 2018, so we do not have any evening uh, worship services. There's no WANA going on. There's no youth group, so uh, there's nothing going on uh, tonight. It's an opportunity for you to spend time with your family. Tomorrow, the, if you're a Miller High Schooler, uh, Zach right here, Zach, raise your hand. Zach has a b great event. He is going to watch your Miller High Schoolers from 8 p.m. to 1 a.m., Tomorrow night at Malibu Jacks for only $25. Zach, can they still come? Uh, yes, but there may or may not be tickets, so that's up to how much they have left. <laughs> you just show up with $25 in your hand, you might get in, so you just drop it. Uh, we're bringing Daniel Jr. That's a great event for our, uh, for our uh, middle and high school ministry here. They bring friends, great way for them uh, to bring in the new year. Also, as Rick shared, this coming Wednesday, we've got a special New Year's dinner. We're catering food across the street from Texas Roadhouse. So uh, that's going to be from 5 to 6.30 in the Fellowship Hall. Just need to call the church or let Rick know uh, that so we can give them a count right away about how many folks to expect. Be praying for our college students. They are leaving on Wednesday morning, and they are going down to Atlanta to the Passion Conference on, uh, from Wednesday morning to Friday evening for a big uh, a college worship service down there. So that's an exciting uh, time for our college students as, they, as Nancy Crawford heads up that trip and they go down there for that. So those are some of the uh, exciting things going on uh, this week here at Broadway. I'm going to ask Steve for our closing song. Oh, how he loves you and me.